Good morning. My name is Carolyn Lumsden, and my husband Nicholas and I both attend here at Faith Church. Nicholas has been attending here, well, since he was born, and I've been attending here for the last eight years or so. We both serve in the Faith High School ministry together as small group leaders, and I'm going to be reading for all of us today in Philippians 4. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except for you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment, and I have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To God, our Father, be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word. Thanks, Carolyn. I love serving alongside her. She serves with high school. What an awesome small group leader. So I'm excited to be up here. Is anybody else excited to be here in the building today? Oh, there we go. Well, we're going to jump right in. So open your Bibles, turn them on. Whatever you do each week, we're going to be in Philippians. Philippians 4. 10 to 13. While you're getting there, I'm going to tell you a quick story, but a question first. How many of you know somebody who's still stuck in their high school glory days? Yeah, got some chuckles. Is it you? Are you raising your hand? You're like, yeah, it's me. Oh, okay. I'm worse. I'm worse than that. My glory days were in elementary school. <laughs> I peaked really young. Yeah. So one summer I was at a Push the Rock basketball camp. And throughout the week, we did these drills, these things that would help prepare us for this final day of competition that would happen on that Friday. We'd do things like dribbling, shooting, free throws, one-on-one, knockout. And then Friday would roll around and parents would come and watch. Campers were given these awards, these medals, and it was a big deal. At least for me, it was. So... I was determined to get a medal that year. I was going to do what it takes. So in my driveway basketball hoop, I practiced a ton. This, this one move, it was this pump fake, crossover, drive to the basket. It's my only move, still is, but it paid off. I, I won. Friday came around, the competition happened, and I got my one-on-one competition medal. But can I tell you, I, I wasn't happy with it. I wanted another award, too. I wanted the Christian Character Award. 
They gave it to the camper who best represented Jesus' character on and off the court. I didn't get it, spoiler, but I tried really hard. I was helping kids up all the time. I was giving my snacks away. I was trying to include kids who were on the outskirts. And then they gave it to this kid who I thought deserved more of a best faker award. So I got home with my medal and I threw it in a pile with all the rest of the medals that I have gotten and I never looked at it again. I was so consumed with the award that I wanted, the Christian Character Award, that I wasn't happy, I wasn't content with the actual award that I got. Pride was my downfall. I thought that I deserved the Christian Character Award. The irony, right? There was a lesson to be learned. I didn't know it then, and I'm learning it now, still learning it. Contentment is a result of humility. Is anybody in here not pursuing contentment? Isn't that what we all strive for in every aspect of our life, to just be content? So that's what we're looking at. That's what we're diving into. Contentment is a result of humility. So last week in our Joyful Loser series, we've been looking at the book of Philippians. Paul, who wrote it, he's going through a lot in this book, right? He's imprisoned, he's hungry, he's cold. He has all these things going against him, but he still has joy. He's still content. It's in our passage we're looking at today. He gives us his secret to contentment. And here's what it isn't. It's not the way that I reacted to receiving the medal I got. It's if I was happy with that one, that's contentment. Philippians 4, 10 to 13. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, I kind of I struggle with what he's saying here. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. And I've learned the secret to being content. See, Paul's seen both sides of things, right? Both sides of life. But he still is content. And it's hard for me to wrap my mind around because I am so short-sighted. I cannot see past my own circumstances. I can't even see past today. Anybody else struggle with that? Paul's experienced what it is to have plenty. He had the career. He had the sweet house, the sweet ride, the sweet clothes. But it wasn't that that made him content. Because on the flip side, he also experienced hunger imprisonment, and even in those moments, he could be content. He alludes to this secret. And this secret apparently has nothing to do with his physical needs being met. So is Paul just this different breed of human? Because if I don't know where my next meal is coming from, I need to find out. I'm going to grubhub that. I need a solution. If I'm wearing rags in a cold prison cell, I need new clothes. I want an actual solution to that circumstance. 
If your loved one is sick, you want them well, you want them healed, right? A real solution? Man, we all have these real problems. And I think we all want real, tangible solutions. Now, wouldn't it be great if we could just take strength from Jesus to do whatever we want, to do anything? Your job's draining you. You're banging your head against your desk every day. You need a new one. No problem. I can do all things, right? You're single. You're lonely. You want to share your life with somebody. It's not a big deal. I can do all things. Wouldn't it be great if we could just snap our fingers and our circumstances would get better because of the strength of Jesus? But God does not work in the ways that we would choose. He works in radically different, better ways. Paul's living this. He knows it. It isn't that Jesus gives us the strength to do anything we want and to solve our problems. Paul says this, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. All this. It's not anything. What is the all this? Being content in any and every situation. Paul's saying, Jesus can give you the strength to be content in any and every situation. Paul's saying the solution to our physical problems and our physical needs is actually spiritual. I'm going to sidestep here for a second because what I just said, I think it needs some clarification. The solution to our physical problems isn't physical, it's spiritual. It seems a lot like one of those cheesy Christian sayings people say when you're going through something that just completely downplays it, right? Everything happens for a reason. Lord helps those who help themselves. That's the worst. I'm not doing that here. So here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God never provides physical solutions. He is and forever will be a God of miracles and a God that delights in our rescue. Look at the Israelites. They were slaves in Egypt. They cried out to God, and he didn't just send his spirit down to them to help them get through, to bring contentment. He says this to, to Moses in Exodus, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians. Yeah, he heard their cries and he rescued them, but it was after 400 years. They had to cry out for 400 years before he rescued them. They were a bunch of losers, but among them, there were joyful losers because they were crying out to God. Even in the middle of their circumstances, overwhelmed as slaves, they cried out to God and he heard them and he rescued them. God rescues people. It's a part of who he is, whether it's physical, spiritual. Here's another thing I'm not saying. I'm not saying that Jesus giving us the strength to be content will make your depression go away or it's going to solve your marital problems or it's going to help you fix your self-worth issues. All those things are very real. They're very painful 
But here's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to sit in that mess with you. He wants to just be with you in that and give you his strength for you to move forward, his strength for you to be content, maybe even have joy. So towards the, towards the end of Jesus' ministry, him and his disciples were traveling and they were going through the city of Jericho. And anytime Jesus traveled, crowds showed up, right? You might know the story. There was a dude in the crowd. His name was Zacchaeus, really short guy. He was up in a tree. Jesus, he sees him up in the tree and he invites himself over to his house. Party foul, don't do that. But Zacchaeus, he says yes, right? He welcomes him. He welcomes him into his mess. It's not like before Jesus ate with him that Zacchaeus fixed all his problems, right? He didn't get his act together. He was still a traitor. He was still a liar. He was still a thief. It didn't scare Jesus. He sat with him. He ate with him. I think it's in those moments that Zacchaeus was transformed. He didn't have to get his act together. Jesus sat with him. And he wants to do the same for each and every one of us. God rescues us. He provides for us. He just sits with us when we need him. But it's all about humility. We're going to pop back into verses 10 and 11. It says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that you last renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Paul wasn't saying that because of the strength given to him by Jesus that his, his problems all went away, that he, he wasn't hungry anymore. It's not like when the church of Philippi sent the provisions, he said, oh, I don't need this anymore. I have Jesus. I'm not hungry. I have Jesus. He was still hungry. He calls the gifts a fragrant offering. He was so thankful for them. Because whether well-fed or hungry, Paul was content. This is telling. This is a teachable moment. Contentment may not change our circumstances, but it does change our attitude. And what's the attitude of somebody who's content? I think they still look at their life and they see what they have and they see what they don't have. They still experience overwhelming circumstances and very real feelings that come along with all those things, but they take it to God. They run to God with it. See, Paul knows that God's with him in any and every circumstance, and that's what changes his attitude to content. So this begs the question, how did Paul arrive at this place? Because I want to be there. I want to be in a place in my life where I can suffer greatly and still be content, where I can really go through it and still see my, my purpose and still have hope. So how did it start? Paul's path to contentment started with meeting Jesus. In Acts, we can read the story of Paul traveling on the road, and he was wreaking havoc among the church. He was capturing Christ followers, hauling them away in chains. As he's traveling, there's this bright light, and he falls on his face in fear. In that light is Jesus, and he's calling them into this, he's calling Paul into this new life, this new way of living. And this scene, 
Paul laying on the ground in fear and reverence for Jesus. It reminds me of an image that Sam Chen illustrated for us last month in his message. We're meant to work out our salvation with, with fear and trembling. That there's this, there's this great divide between God and us. And it's that divide, we become acutely aware of it when we meet Jesus face to face. Because in this fear and this trembling, this humility, we have to come to terms with something. We have to come to terms with the reality of who God is, his perfection, his beauty, his magnificence, everything about who he is. And we have to hold that up to our own self, our own imperfection, our own filth, our own methods of managing our lives. And it's in this point where we can see that, where we come to terms with that, we have a choice. We can turn our hearts towards God. We can fall on our face and we can be humble. Jesus illustrates this in Matthew 11. He says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. See, Jesus, he thanks God, he praises God, he worships him that, that he hides knowledge of God from those who are wise in their own eyes, those who are puffed up on their own ego, so full of themselves, they probably don't have any room for God. But heart knowledge of God is revealed to the childlike and the humble. That's what Jesus is saying here. Those who fall on their face in repentance after seeing the reality of who God is and who I am. Those who are not humble and who don't repent will never come into the true knowledge of who God is. Doesn't matter how much they know about him. They might have the appearance of righteousness. Because this is, Paul, this is who Paul was before he humbled himself. He was the wise and the learned. He was full of himself and his own ego, his own way of managing his circumstances. All that he had in life was wrapped up in who he was as a Pharisee until he encountered Jesus. And after, it does, after he does, it, it, it changes how he sees himself. He comes face to face with Jesus and everything that he had trusted in before, his identity, his actions, his job, all of that is garbage. When things started heating up for Paul, and they did when he started following Jesus, he learned he couldn't rely on that stuff anymore. He had to rely on the strength that Jesus gave. He threw away who he was before to be like a dependent child. Have you ever noticed that a kid, they don't need much to be content, right? You can give them construction paper, some scissors. They'll make a new best friend and they'll be happy for a year, right? As a kid, my dad took me creek walking. Anybody else ever creek walk? No? One person. Nice. I loved it. It was a blast. We literally just walked in a creek together. Your kid doesn't need the newest toys. They don't need the newest Barbie Jeep. Save yourself some money. I look at kids and I see them emulate humility in such a real and authentic way. And then I look at myself and I look at other adults and I just don't see it. 
We need to know the who, the when, the why, the what, the how. We need the plan. We need the purpose. We need to know how it's going to end and how we're getting there. Kids don't need to know that. I think we're all called to be a child of God. I know we are. Being like a child can can help with contentment in two major ways. So we're going to go through those. Children trust without knowing. They don't need to know how it's all going to end. They don't need to know how we're going to get there. They just trust. Because humility is trusting like a child. I have an illustration for you guys. You're going to throw up an image. Yep, it's there. Not supposed to check. It's a large ship. There's two different colors on it. You got the top color, the bottom color. In between, there's this line. It's called a plimsoll line. That line's used to gauge how full a ship is with cargo. So as they load the ship with cargo, it actually sinks lower and lower. And once that plimsoll line meets the water line, you know that the ship is full. It's full of cargo. A ship can only hold so much. Now imagine that, that we're ships. And our cargo is what we put our hope and our trust in. So I want to know, let me ask you, who do you trust more, yourself or God? When the circumstances of your life are so overwhelming that you don't even know how you're going to move forward, whose strength do you rely on, yours or God's? Because we can only be so full. We only have a certain capacity to be filled. And if I'm so full of my own methods of managing my my life, if I'm so full of my own intellect and my own problem solving and my own methods of digging my way out of my problems, where's the room for God? If I'm so full of my own peace and my own patience, am I going to have room for God's? In Philippians, Paul calls us to clear out our cargo. He calls it garbage, rubbish, crap. Kids aren't filled to the brim with garbage. They're open, they're empty, they're waiting to be filled. Us, man, we're full of garbage cargo. So in this encounter with Jesus, again, we have this opportunity We can humble ourselves and we can allow for God's process for things or we can continue in our discontentment and our self-reliance. When we meet Jesus, we can put our hope and our trust in God's process of unloading our garbage cargo piece by piece so that he can fill us with his strength, his joy, his hope. God wants us to trust in him in our circumstances without knowing how it's going to end. Another lesson we learn from kids is children run to a parent for comfort. I got two little boys at home. They're both under two. It's a lot of work. I'm tired most of the time, but it's fun. Could you tell it was sort of a lie? It's 95% fun. My oldest, Eli, he's full of nonstop energy. He's go, go, go all the time. He loves playing with these giant Legos, these big blocks. He just, he'll grab the bag, turn upside down, just dump it out. As a parent, you know that sound. It makes you cringe. You're like, oh, I'm going to have to clean that up later. 
inevitably we're all gonna step on one, right? My living room's like a minefield. And I do, pretty frequently. My wife says I'm clumsy. When I step on one, I'm balling up my fist. I'm, my whole body's clenching. I'm finding the nearest pillow to like make a weird noise into. And, and I'm just, I'm waiting for the pain to go away. But then my son, Eli, he steps on one and he finds me in the room. We, we, we look at each other's eyes. I can tell that he's in pain and he's running for me. And I open my arms and I hold him until his pain goes away. This is exactly how we're meant to interact with God. Like a child running to a parent for comfort, humility is running to God with our feelings. As his children, he, want, uh, he wants us to run to him in every circumstance. Just throw our arms around him, sit with him, be with him, rest in him. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, whatever your circumstances make you feel, run to God. Run to him. Do you remember what it's like to be a child, to, to not trust in your own abilities to solve things, to run to somebody that you love when you need help? I barely remember. Something happens when we get older, right? We try and discover our strengths so that we can focus on those, so we can use those to solve our problems, to get through. Heaven forbid we, we discover a weakness because if we do, we're throwing that out. But isn't coming face to face with our weaknesses exactly what happens when we meet Jesus? Isn't it in that place of understanding who he is and who I am, isn't that what produces humility? Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 12.10, he says, that's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I know that there's no way I'm making it through this season without God, I'm strong. When I realize that my methods of solving my problems and fixing myself and figuring things out, when I realize those methods are failing and that I need something outside myself, I'm strong. If my circumstances overwhelm me and I humble myself and I run to God, he gives me strength. He'll give you strength every time. So let me ask you this, who do you wanna be? Do you wanna be somebody who manages and manipulates and bends their circumstances to their will? Or do you wanna be a child of God? Do you wanna be somebody who relies on their own intellect, their own reason, their own problem solving, their own intelligence, to deal with life, or do you wanna be a child of God? Because you'll only ever be content if you're confident in your identity as a child of God. Contentment does not come from your circumstances. It comes from being a child of God. And no circumstance on this earth can ever take away who you are in Jesus. That defines you. Your job doesn't define you. 
Your sexuality doesn't define you. Your divorce doesn't define you. Your depression doesn't define you. Your fears, your failures, your hangups, your addictions, none of that defines you. Your dad does. The God of the universe who created everything, he created you. He knows what's in your mind. He knows what's in your heart. It doesn't scare him. He says, I love you and you are my child. Can I, can I encourage you to be like a child in your circumstances? To trust God without knowing how it's going to end, without knowing the plan. To run to him when you're overwhelmed in your circumstances. To ask for help when you're hurting. To rest in him, knowing that you're secure. As a child of God, you are secure. Contentment is a result of humility. And today, right now, is an opportunity for us to humble ourselves before God. To say, God, I am sorry for all my methods and, and relying on my own intelligence. God, I'm sorry for trying to solve my own problems and, and to run to other things for contentment. Will you forgive me? Help me trust you. Give me your peace, your purpose, your hope. I can't do this on my own anymore, God. Today's a chance to humble yourself and to step into this place in his kingdom as a child, a loved child of God. That was Paul's secret. Jesus can give us the strength to be content in any and every circumstance. If I humble myself before my father, when I humble myself before my father as a child of God, that's when contentment comes. That's what made Paul content. That's what makes us content. That's what will make you content. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for taking what we think and turning it upside down that Weakness is strength. I don't have to be strong, God. Would you give me your strength? Pray that, that each of us would seek you like a child running to their parent, that when things are overwhelming, when our circumstances are too much to handle, that we would just run to you and need nothing from you other than just to be held and just to be with you, to be secure. God, I pray for the circumstances in this room right now that are overwhelming. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray your strength in those scenarios. Would you fill, fill your people with your strength so that we can be content no matter what this world throws our way, so that we can be confident in our place as your child. Thank you for making a way for us to be your children. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.